News, politics, and special guests with a Texas twist. That's the goal of the Luke Messias Show. Our nation and state are at a crossroads, and if you're not informed, you're not equipped to make the change our community needs. Join the conversation and join the cause for liberty today. Welcome to episode 91 of the Luke Messiah Show. I told you last week that I had hoped that I would come to you and tell you that Donald Trump was still the president of the United States. And though I'm not telling you that is incorrect, I'm also not telling you that's guaranteed to be correct. And if you came to today's show to look at kind of an overview of the voter fraud stuff going on, the allegations being made by our president and many Republicans of the concerning trends that we're seeing and then the inaccurate data that's presenting itself within some of these urban centers and swing states, you're not going to get it today. Why? Because we're here in Texas and I have promised my listeners and viewers that I'm not just going to get carried away into everything that all the other shows are covering. Um, Look, y'all have plenty of awesome sources that I'm sure you're getting information from regarding uh, the different election results, nationally speaking. You can go to Daily Wire, you can go to our friends at The Blaze and other conservative outlets who are going to inform you if you're a right-of-center individual as to what the national situation is regarding Georgia, Pennsylvania, Michigan, Wisconsin, Arizona, Nevada. But I do want to give you a rundown on what happened here in Texas, because while some of you, of course, were rightfully focused on the presidential election, there were a lot of us here. I'm sorry if I banged that there. There are a lot of us here who were focused on Texas. And so I want to tell you a little bit about what we saw in the landscape. Here's the truth. Democrats, I think, spent hundreds of millions of dollars and and it's still being tabulated and counted up, but it's over 100 million. It might be over 200 million. It might be closer to 300 million. But I'll tell you this. It's a heck of a lot of money, and Democrats spent that in federal races and state races and local races and national efforts all to turn Texas blue. Beto O'Rourke outperformed traditional historic Democrats, and that gave Democrats wind at their sails. It gave them excitement, and so they used that to recruit a ton of money nationwide. I will tell you that a lot of these competitive Texas House races in Texas, a couple dozen of them or so, we had... 80% of the money coming from out of state. Some of them had more than 50 or 60% of the dollars that they raised and spent to take a seat in Arlington or Plano. It came from California. Democrats, socialists in many cases, and California donors who loved the idea of Texas turning blue and funded a bunch of down-ballot races in hopes that that would happen, and it didn't. Why didn't it happen? Well, that's the question we're going to answer today with some of the initial analysis. And there will be more of this coming, but I want to kind of cover a couple different numbers so you know. First and foremost, the biggest reason they didn't win is because Donald Trump greatly outperformed the polls. And he didn't just greatly outperform the polls in Michigan and Wisconsin and Pennsylvania and Georgia and North Carolina. He outperformed them here in Texas significantly. Why? mainly because he significantly outperformed with Hispanic voters and even African-American voters. So black voters and Hispanic voters went more for the president than anybody ever thought they would, and in many cases, more than they ever have for any Republican, period. We've got to learn from that when it comes to establishing a permanent governing coalition here in the Lone Star State. So Donald Trump underperformed historic Republicans in suburban areas. And when you go into suburban areas, specifically speaking, he underperformed mostly with college-educated white women. 
This is a group of people that Republicans have enjoyed support from for decades. And then just recently, with the election of President Trump, it's an it's a particular demographic that we have struggled with. And if you're a Republican lawmaker, you have been in dozens of meetings where Republican priorities are killed, are prevented from even moving through the legislative process because suburban white college-educated women wouldn't like this bill. And the establishment has basically used this as a club over the entire Republican platform for the last several years, for the last four years. But what did Donald Trump show us? Donald Trump outperformed with people that the establishment has been obsessed with getting, Hispanic voters. I'm going to go through a couple different numbers. He didn't get them by doing what moderate establishment Republicans want us to do, which is govern purple, which is govern Democrat light, which is to say, well, Hispanics and white college-educated females and black voters are voting Democrat, so therefore let's find policies that they all want us to push that are Democrat policies because they're voting Democrat already and do a Democrat light kind of policy initiative and then let them and seduce them over to our side. That has been the approach of the Austin establishment for a long time. And Donald Trump kind of blew that entire situation out of the water. Zapata County is a heavily Hispanic county on the border, on the Texas-Mexico border. In 2016, Hillary Clinton won that county handily, getting 66% of the vote to Donald Trump's 33% of the vote. But this last election, just on November, what, a week ago? Donald Trump got 52% of the vote to Joe Biden's 47% of the vote. Here's what I find interesting. Democrats would have you believe that Hispanics are greatly, we are perturbed because Donald Trump has accused all of us of being rapists because he made a comment in, in regards to the Mexican drug cartels that they are rapists. And then the mainstream media and even a bunch of pastors and other people got outraged and said, oh my gosh, I cannot believe he's referring to all these Hispanics as rapists. But clearly the actual Hispanics on the border didn't feel like he was directing that comment at them. And it's interesting, but it's worth noting that Hispanics that live on the Texas-Mexico border actually know what Donald Trump is talking about when he talks about the need for border security because they moved not only towards President Trump, they made a significant move towards the Republican Party, and then even more so for Donald Trump. The border, the Rio Grande Valley, these are areas that Donald Trump outperformed the rest of the Republican ticket. But what he also did was he brought up the whole ticket, which is what we'll also see within these suburban areas. So you go into suburban areas, and that's where you see that Republicans outperform the president a little bit. And here's essentially how I want you to think about it. Donald Trump increased, they say a rising tide lifts all ships, right? And so Donald Trump essentially created a rising tide nationwide, including in Texas. He turned out more voters than any Republican president has ever turned out before. We had people flooding to the polls and they weren't flooding the polls to vote for their state representative. They weren't flooding the to the polls to vote for John Cornyn. They weren't flooding the polls to vote for their congressman. They were flooding the polls to vote for Donald Trump. And the big question that a lot of us had as Republican operatives was, were these people who were going to go in and vote for the president willing to go all the way down and vote Republican all the way down? And the answer is yes, they were. In fact, many of them went in and then voted all the way down. More of them did that then voted for Joe Biden, and then voted all the way down. So what we know is that the voters that Trump brought out, he kept with Republicans, and so that brought everybody up. Then a lot of these state representative candidates, congressional candidates, or candidates like John Cornyn, basically spent all their money speaking to suburban white women, people that 
Republicans have been struggling with since 2016. And so then you saw a slight increase of their total vote within some of those regions, John Cornyn being a lot of the suburbs, which is where he outperformed Donald Trump, while Donald Trump outperformed him not only in the Rio Grande Valley, but also all these first-time Trump voters that he's bringing out to the polls to support somebody at the top of the ticket that's actually going to war with a cultural left that is trying to rewrite and upend our entire society. They're supporting him and then voting Republican all the way down. So what are some things we learned from that? Well, let's look at who lost. Um, the only Republican who lost is a state representative named Sarah Davis. And Sarah Davis is a Republican, barely. She uh, has been the loudest advocate for a vaccine mandate, which is, of course, coming out of Joe Biden now that he's saying as soon as he's president, he's probably going to push some sort of vaccine mandate nationwide. Sarah Davis has been the largest proponent of a vaccine mandate. She's also the most loudly, vocally pro-choice Republican in the Texas House. She's endorsed by Planned Parenthood. Other Republicans who are pro-choice would include For Price, Jeannie Morrison, Ken King, Lyle Larson, but those people are not as out, out there and uh, loud about their position in support of some abortions. She is supportive of more abortions than all of her Republican colleagues, and she's very loud about the abortions that she supports. So Sarah Davis lost her election, the only Republican state representative to lose. Um, again, you already see the establishment coming out saying, hey, the good news is two years from now, four years from now, six years from now, we can have somebody other than Donald Trump at the top of the ticket and we can appeal to all these voters that we've lost. But what Donald Trump has shown us is a roadmap to permanent power of a governing coalition right of center in Texas. But those Hispanic voters that have historically moved to the right are not going to stay in the Republican Party if the Republican Party becomes the party of George W. Bush, if they become the party of Mitt Romney, if they become the party of Greg Abbott, if they become the party of Dade Phelan, or any other Republican who believes in governing right smack dab in the middle with a democrat light agenda and an agenda that Democrats are also somewhat supportive of. The Democrat Party, for the most part, especially in Texas, has pushed and held to a left-of-center agenda, and they basically have made Republicans, in order to get their support, push their policies, and then we do that in order to go back to some of these voters and say, see, we're not that bad, we're even pushing policies that Democrats like, and that is something that would be greatly detrimental because it's not what we saw from President Donald Trump. Hopefully it won't be what we see for President Trump for the next four years. But again, the jury's still out on that and you can follow other people to decide where you're coming down on that issue. But Sarah Davis's loss tells us and shows us that the right thing to do is not to simply push Democrat light policies and try to hold on to some of these suburban areas. I want to explain to you that Reform Austin... Is a, it's a very far left group. They spent fifty, a hundred thousand dollars on Facebook ads, doing nothing but hitting Matt Shaheen, Morgan Meyer, Tony Tinderholt, all these different people on being massive anti-vaxxers, right? And their whole push was these guys hate vaccinations, oppose vaccinating your children. And that's not true. But the reason they did that was because those individuals were supported by a group called Texans for Vaccine Choice. And they had voted in favor of allowing parents to make the decision of their children on whether to vaccinate or not. 
Now, the left tried to scream at these districts that this is a horrendous position that's going to hurt our community substantially. And guess what? All of those Republicans held their seats, some in districts that Donald Trump lost. Why? Because Republicans, not only Republicans, but the voters in those communities, one, don't actually believe that these people oppose all vaccinations. And then two, those people are not on the side of mandating vaccines on everybody. And, and instead find themselves in a place where they support, in many instances, a position that says the parents get to decide. And even if they don't support it, guess what? It's not one of their top positions. It's not one of their top issues. What they care more about are some other cultural issues which the Republican Party is taking a stand and fighting on. 2020 was a year where we had somebody at the top of the ticket who was actually going to war with the radical left on the cultural issues, unlike what we've had in the last couple election cycles where we have people who are pulling back from that war. And I think what Republicans need to recognize is that in order to keep and maintain control of the state of Texas, we have to push a bold Republican agenda in this state. And that gets us into the speaker's election. Dade Phelan, Republican state representative. He is a an LGBT advocate. He actually is the loudest LGBT advocate. There was a bill that came to his committee that had nothing to do with LGBT issues, and he decided to try to hijack it to make it um, to place in state law for the first time ever legal protections for these city ordinances, these leftist ordinances that these urban cities are passing in Texas to pass these massive protections for what they would say is the LGBT community. And in all reality, what it does is it infringes on the individual religious liberty of citizens in their city. And he tried to use it to hijack this bill. He hijacked it with language that was written by a far left organization and they wanted it inserted into this Legislation. He later uh, called people on the right who actually hold religious liberty perspectives, not only that, but traditional uh, traditional views of human sexuality. He called them bigots and uh, implied that they were bigots is maybe what I should say. So Dade Phelan is a Republican state representative, and the day after the election, after we held the majority, 83 seats, he came out with a long list of Republicans and a lot of Democrats who sewed up the speaker's election for him. He said the race for speaker is over. And he listed a lot of Democrat support because what he was trying to do was circumvent the Republican caucus process and ensure that any Republicans who were not supporting him knew that they had to support him because there were enough Democrats to give him the speakership without a caucus vote. See, we established a process when Joe Strauss was speaker that said that Republicans would get together at a caucus meeting, that they would choose between a multi multiple options of candidates, and that they would then all support that candidate. But Dade Phelan, just like Joe Strauss, just like Dennis Bonin, actually, he circumvented that process and said, hey, actually, we're going to ignore that process that we, the legislators of the Republican caucus, put in place and said we thought was best. We didn't actually think that was best. We really just did that to give ourselves a new approach, more leverage so that we could hold the power, but we're not actually believing in the process. And they teamed up with a bunch of Democrats and gave Dade Phelan the 80 plus votes that he needed to guarantee himself the speakership. And then he's since gotten to 100, 120, 130 supporters in his speaker election as his opponents have pulled their support. But what kind of message does this send to Texas Republicans and conservatives? It sends a message that says, same old, same old. We believe in doing what we've always done, which is governing with Democrats in a very purpley 
fashion in the Texas legislature. Even though when Democrats came and spent hundreds of millions of dollars trying to take the Texas House and you all showed up and gave us control and helped us keep control of the Texas House, guess what? We're still going to team up with those same Democrats. We're still going to give a bunch of them chairmanships. And we're still going to have a session where Republican priorities are not passed in an aggressive fashion. You know what? This is fine if you're a conservative activist. And the reason I say it's fine is because you'd rather know what you're getting, what you're signing up for, what you're getting into. See, for far too long, the Republicans and conservatives have entered the session with kind of rose-colored glasses with this idea that somehow this particular session, this group of Republicans as a whole intend to pass Republican priorities in an aggressive manner. And that's not the case. We know that's not the case coming into this session. So what does it mean? It means that conservatives have to know that it is an uphill battle, that Republicans in the legislature don't want a Republican session in 2021. In fact, they want to redistrict. They want to try to figure out a way to balance their budget and they want to get out of there. And the balancing of the budget alone is going to be a conservative battle because they don't have the money they need to pay for the government that they want, okay? Not that they need, but they want. There's a certain amount of government that a lot of bureaucrats want and state legislators have worked their hardest to please those bureaucrats in order to keep them happy in the budget process. And they've been able to do that because Texas has been doing well, because you have been doing well as a Texan, and they've been taking your tax dollars and doling it out to everybody who would like to have their piece of the pie. But they can't do that this session with the economic recession that we went into, that we are coming out of. But if Joe Biden does manage to take this presidency, they are going, we are going to have even harder economic times, which will hurt our budget even more more. And so that alone will be another uh, battle coming down uh, the pipe. Here's what I want to show you when it comes to wrapping up my case for what kind of path Donald Trump has showed us moving forward for Texas. House District 74 and House District 31 are two Democrat House districts, predominantly Hispanic in South Texas, that Donald Trump won, that he beat Joe Biden over. And if Republicans had had strong candidates in those areas who were spending real dollars and getting out into the community, they would have potentially picked up those seats. We would have even grown our majority. And what does that tell us? It tells us that an aggressive right of center champion at the top of your ticket who's willing to go to war with the radical left, who is trying to undermine all of society, is very helpful if we want to broaden the governing coalition for Republicans in Texas. Alan West is somebody who gets this, which is why he's been very critical of Dade Phelan and the deal that they cut to get him speaker. Um, because he sees that unless Republicans start understanding how important it is to be Republican and govern like Republicans, we are going to take these massive wins, which we are seeing move in our direction, and we're going to hand it right back to the Democrats because we're going to go right back to our same old way of governing, which is not getting us where we need it to. Um, if we give Democrats an opportunity to take Texas, they might just do it. And when they take over, guess what? They're not going to team up with a bunch of Republicans and give them a bunch of power and pass a Republican light session like we did last time. They're going to pass a real Democrat agenda. And we should respect them for that because they know what they believe. And Republicans in the legislature need to ask themselves a question. It's the same question that my worldview teacher asked me in high school. He would say, do you believe that what you believe is really real? Do you believe that what you believe is really real? Democrats do, which is why when they do have 
power, they try to advance their agenda. And if Republicans did, then we would also advance our power. And my hope and prayer is that we do just that in 2021. And I'm looking forward to going into the next year when Republicans realize that they have to, that they don't have an option. The train's leaving the station. It's time to pass a conservative agenda. I look forward to keeping each and every one of you informed as we go through this next year. Uh, Continue to pray for our country. We're in a very divided place. And continue to pray that we find clarity and transparency when it comes to the election results in all of these swing states. God bless you. Thank you for listening to The Luke Messiah Show. This program is brought to you by Scorecard Media. Check out texasscorecard.com to read up on all things Texas. Scorecard Media has other podcasts as well. Yeah, they're not as good as this one, but you should still check them out. Honestly, though, visit texasscorecard.com to see all the content they're producing on a daily basis. If you'd like our podcast to grow, please consider subscribing to the show on whatever platform you listen on and leave a review. That helps others find the content we're producing. Thank you. God bless you and God bless Texas. Texas.